My great-grandfather, um, Robert Kahawai Sr., he was born in Laia, Hawaii. So he had witnessed the attempted bombing of the temple from a plane that he had um, noticed the evening, uh, the morning of the Pearl Harbor bombing. Hello and welcome back to Temple Tours. We are your hosts, Kelsey and Jerrica. Today we'll feature a story from April, which will be read by Claire, and a story from Annie's family history. Our goal is to virtually take you to Latter-day Saint temples around the world. We discuss the history of each area, little-known facts, architectural symbolism, and we'll always include at least one story submitted by you, our listeners. Today's temple was the first temple built away from the North American mainland and was the first to be dedicated away from church headquarters in Utah. It has serviced members of the church from all over the world. The Laie Temple has a history of sacrifice and tremendous blessings. The first missionaries arrived in Hawaii in 1850. In 1865, the church purchased approximately 6,000 acres of sugarcane and pineapple plantation property for $14,000. Over the years, it had become a gathering place for saints in Hawaii. The church owned 500 cattle, 500 sheep, 200 goats, and 26 horses that also lived on the plantation. The property stretches across three miles of beach. In 1915, President Joseph F. Smith, who had served in Hawaii at age 15, dedicated part of the property for a temple. Building an edifice like a temple on an island in the early 1900s wasn't easy. Large machinery was unavailable on the island and the soil was made up of unstable coral and sand. There was an existing church building on the temple site that had to be relocated using pipes, ropes, timbers, jacks, and horses to heave the building to a new location. Workers had to then excavate using just picks, shovels, and blasting powder to set solid footings for the temple. Materials were also difficult to obtain. Crushed lava and coral were added to the concrete. At one point, construction came to a complete halt because there was no more lumber available. The temple contractor prayed for assistance, and two days later, a storm arose, stranding a cargo ship on a coral reef. The Hawaiian saints helped unload the cargo, and in return were offered all of it. The cargo from that ship was enough lumber to finish the temple. Much like with the construction of the Cartston Temple that was happening at the same time, funds were really tight. Relief Society sisters around the church collectively saved $13,000 that was donated to the construction of both temples. The saints in Hawaii also raised their own funds by hosting concerts and selling homemade goods like fans, mats, and other items. Tithing donation also increased by 30% during this time. Despite all of its challenges, the Laie Hawaii Temple was dedicated on November 27, 1919, only four years after dedication of the property. He was out the night before, so December 6th, and he went to town to watch a game, and he had gone with a couple of his buddies. My great-grandmother, Bessie, she knew that he was going to come home late, and at that time, he wasn't a full active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so he was partaking of, um, you know, 
substance <laughs> and so i guess it it had a uh, guy in her mad so she locked him out so when he came home he tried to open the door and he couldn't so he instead of knocking down the door he just thought to himself well you know it's a nice night out so let me just go sleep under this coconut tree it's hawaii so we do those kind of things so he goes and um sleeps into, under this coconut tree in their front yard and he hears planes a whole bunch of planes flying over and he opens his eyes and he doesn't think much of it because they're going towards the military bases which is on your way on that side of the island which is the north side of the island of oahu and so he he doesn't think anything of it until he like notices a plane hovering over the Laia hawaii temple and he stares at it he's like looking and he sees that the bomb that this plane had um, was coming out from under the plane so he called it the Bombay doors so he noticed that the doors opened um, and he had noticed the bomb or whatever he was trying to drop onto the Hawaii temple it was there but he noticed that it wouldn't like release and so the temple is not too far from my my grandparents where we have family members still living there you can see the temple clearly from my grandpa and my great-grandpa and my great-grandmother's home and he noticed that something was holding on to the bomb but he didn't really pay attention and thought it was only like a maneuver that was happening at that time he realized that the bomb was still there and then the plane took off because of the bomb wouldn't release and then he said that they noticed that when it got towards a town called Kaniohe, they tried to release the bomb again and it finally um, was able to release. My grandpa, my great-grandfather was saying that he feels like the Lord had, you know, set him outside for him to witness that occasion. Temple work dropped by 80% during World War II from the day Pearl Harbor was attacked on December 7, 1941 until October of 1944. For nearly three years, the temple only held one weekly endowment session and the occasional wedding. I'm not too sure if he was baptized of, of the church at the time and just went inactive and then became active again, but I know definitely later on um, when they were trying to do the establishment of the temple, him and my couple of my other family members, they took part of um, putting the temple together, at least painting it. But um, yeah, he definitely became a member. If he wasn't already active, he was definitely active after that. And he baptized my dad at the age of nine and confirmed him. Um, and then I believe they, when my dad was at a certain age, I believe he was like 15, him and his biological parents, which live right next door, they all went and got sealed in the Lahe Hawaii temple as a family. The original building was only 10,500 square feet, about the size of the smaller temples that were built between 1998 and 2001. The temple has since undergone several renovations and the total square footage is now about 47,000 square feet. During these renovations, updates in electrical and plumbing were made. Offices and a visitor center were added. And a pioneer cemetery behind the temple that had been overgrown was uncovered. About 200 Hawaiian saints are buried there. At one point, the temple was painted green to blend in with the landscape. 
However, it was quickly restored to the original white, which beautifully contrasts the green backdrop of the temple. In more recent years, efforts have been made to restore the original art, upgrade the structure, beautify the surrounding area, and more fully represent the Hawaiian culture. The temple was rededicated on November 21, 2010. An open house and cultural celebration were held in honor of the restoration and rededication of the temple. Before we continue, we would like to remind you that you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Temple Tours Pod. Be sure you're following us for a more visual version of each episode with pictures and videos. If you would like to support us via Patreon, you'll also receive more exclusive content like a weekly after the credits conversation with the host and more to come. That can all be found at patreon.com slash templetourspod. We are so grateful for your support. When temples are built, local history and symbols are usually considered an important part of the design process. One of the first features mentioned by saints who've lived near the Laie Temple are the carved friezes. Thoughtfully sculpted by Avard Fairbanks in 1919, these friezes adorn all sides of the top portion of the temple. They depict Jesus Christ through four dispensations of time, Old Testament on the west, New Testament on the south, he is showing, teaching, and healing. Book of Mormon on the north, he is appearing to the Nephites as a resurrected being. And the Latter-day Dispensation on the east, Christ is with God the Father in the first vision. Copies of the sculptures have been placed in the waiting room for patrons to study up close. Laie, Hawaii was the first temple to have carved phrases and was followed by Mesa, Arizona, Cardston, Alberta, Newport Beach, California, and Oakland, California. It's common for temple planning teams to choose a floral motif significant to the local area. Hawaii state flower is the hibiscus. The vibrant, iconic, tropical bloom symbolizes power, hospitality, and respect. Hibiscus patterns are traced into the temple carpet, entrance stained glass, and the flower itself sits in vases throughout. Kukui, the state's tree, symbolizes peace, protection, and enlightenment. Mike Foley, a freelance writer based in Laie, said, The kukui tree is called the candle nut tree in English because the nuts of the tree are oily and were once used to make lanterns that lit up the darkness. He said, In the gospel, light is very symbolic, and so the kukui nut is an excellent symbol for the temple because it's a source of light, as is the temple. Elements from the kukui tree and nut are found throughout the building's decor. Traditional Polynesian ink patterns are carved into chapel pews along the celestial room ceilings and along the upper edges of the exterior. One of the most inspiring symbols on the property is the beloved maternity fountain. At the source of the grand reflection pool is a relief sculpture depicting a Hawaiian mother standing over three children. She holds a giant clamshell pouring water over her children. They look up joyfully playing and smiling. This beautiful carving represents a mother pouring her love, hope, and care onto all her children. The Lei Hawaii Temple has always had a special place in my heart. My experiences are simple experiences that I hold very dear. I was baptized in February of 1962, just short of turning 12 and was graduating from primary and starting in the mutual program. I knew little about baptisms for the dead and was invited as a youth to participate in this work. This had become a very special time in my life and one that I looked forward to and always had a very peaceful feeling and felt honored to be worthy to participate in this ordinance. I remember entering the temple for the very first time 
and being directed to a room just off the entrance where we removed our shoes and put them in cubby holes and put white socks on. From there, we were taken to the dressing room and changed into our baptismal clothing. We wore white jumpsuits that were made of a heavy fabric and ballooned when you stepped in the font and were even heavier when it got wet. After being baptized, we stepped out of the water and sat on a chair and were confirmed. Then I went back into the water and baptized again until we had completed our assigned names. I can't remember how many names we were baptized for, but it seemed like a lot. After we had completed the baptisms and confirmations, we exited the baptismal font, squeezed the water out of our jumpsuits, and received a towel to dry off, and went into the dressing room to change into our dry clothing. When we were done, we would sometimes eat downstairs in the cafeteria, or stop at a place to eat on the way home, as it was at least an hour drive home. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Laie Hawaii Temple. Be sure to join us this week on Facebook and Instagram at Temple Tours Pod as we share pictures of this incredible temple. Temple Tours is a production of Mecco Radio. Jerrica Dennison and Kelsey Josie wrote and hosted today's episode. Special thank you to Annie and April for sharing their stories with us. And thank you to Claire who read April's story today. This episode was produced by Jerrica Dennison and I, Alex Williams, edited this program. The music we use includes Where I Find Rest by Sunwash, In the Clouds by Be Still the Earth, Wonderland by Mitro, Ray by Kevin Graham, Horizon by Cloud Cover, Intro by Miles Kredic, and After All This Time by Ben Winwood. A full list of sources and credits can be found in the show notes. And we should note, this is not an official podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with an episode on the Mesa, Arizona Temple.